Good morning, church family. You know, I'm, I'm loving this. It's starting to get fuller, Serge. We're getting kind of back to our gathering, and that means a lot to us, and I hope it means a lot to you, because this is where we get fed. We come here as a family to be in God's presence. He invites us here to be with Him every Sabbath because that's His desire. And it's a win-win because when we leave here, we feel filled because we experience His presence. We draw close to Him, but yet we also connect with our family members. And boy, we sure need to connect, don't we? It's been difficult, but it's getting better and I know the Lord's going to continue to bless, and so I thank each one of you for being here this morning. we got a full day. It's going to be an a, uh, exciting one. I do want to welcome those who are online, and I hope that all of you are doing well as, as we speak and you enjoy uh, what takes place here with the baby dedication and the music and the sermon. This coming weekend, we have a special event it's the leadership conference that we have done here before with Dave Ferguson coming to be with Sergio. And boy, they are quite a team. You're going to love it. But it's going to take place on Friday evening starting at 7 o'clock to 8.30. And then Sabbath morning, Dave will be preaching here during church. That's not part of the conference, but definitely come to listen to Dave. And they'll pick up in the this, in this Saturday afternoon from 3.30 to 5.30. The one thing that's special about this conference is it's free. Normally we charge or they charge for this event, but in this case, through everything that's been going on, they decided to say, no, let's make it free for everyone to come. So please put it on the calendar, put a reminder on your refrigerator, Friday night, 7, 7 o'clock, and then Saturday afternoon, we will be able to experience uh, the time. We will have it in, in the, in the uh, community room here, the large one. And I, I guarantee you will be blessed. And I, I invite each one of you to be there. In fact, I'm trying to remember the title. Um, bumper cars, treadmills, freight trains, and sailboats. Just that alone should raise your inquisitiveness to say, i got to come and see what they're talking about. But uh, I think that you'll have fun. Also, too, make a note, May 8th, May 8th, we're going to start church at 11 o'clock again. I know some of you may have enjoyed this 11.30, but we're going to go back to 11 o'clock on May 8th, and... Uh, <coughs> I believe that we'll continue to kind of get somewhat of a routine again. I don't want it to be a routine. I want it to be a blessing that we come to be in the presence of God. And in doing so, just uh, May 8th at 11 o'clock. Uh, this morning, I'm really excited about this dedication. We tried it last year in the wintertime. But uh, that one Sabbath, the weather had a different idea. It just kind of snowed us out to where they were unable to make it. But I want to, do, I want to invite Samantha and Carl Wooster and their daughters, Waverly, Elizabeth, and Aspen. Plus, I want to invite the parents to come up as well, if you would, please, because this is a family event. 
And I am so glad that they are here. You can pull your mask between the two of you for now. I want you to just go ahead and be surrounding with your with your kids. Don't they look good? Don't they look good? Okay. I think most of us as a church family know the middle family here, but Carl, share with us who is up here as well. All right. So we've got. Um, we've got, this is Sam's dad, Bobby. He came over to, uh, from Walla Walla. He's not too far away. We see him with some frequency. Yeah, he's actually come a few times. And then on this side, we've got, this is my mom, Kim, and my dad, Nick. They came from North Dakota. They drove out this week, spent a little time with us, and then came for this, which would not have happened had this occurred I hear uh, when we originally scheduled it. I hear you have a brother then that uh, flew yeah, in. My brother is sitting down there. He came from Chicago. Um, so uh, that would not have happened had this happened on the originally scheduled date. Weather uh, was just an additional thing. That might have been a God thing that got, got the grandparents out here for, uh, for their dedication. So See, God will make a bad thing into good, won't he? That's mm -hmm. what he promises. Yep. If it all of a sudden looks bad, he's going to make it to good. I just love the support of the family. I want to thank the family here and the friends who have come for this moment. Because in doing so, it shows to us, these two girls have a wonderful support group. And that is exciting for that family, for Carl and Sam to know that they're not on this journey alone. Not on this journey alone, and that is what is important. Before we get started here, though, I would like to have Carl and Sam just kind of share with us briefly uh, maybe um, an experience where you saw God's hand working in this delivery process during the pandemic. Of everything just seemed to be out of control, but yet God was in control. What did you see, Carl, and experience at that time? Yeah, so it was more kind of of the same, where uh, bad things ended up being good things. Um, I mean, last year, I, when, when they asked us, when we were sitting down to talk about this, I'm like, well, where did you see God? I spent probably five or ten minutes just talking about things. It's just like, oh, man, things just piled up. But um, the, the, the most significant, I would say, um, you know, I was working from home, um, and we had her, uh, Sam's aunt, and cousin had come to visit us out of the blue, uh, more or less unexpected. Um, and, and we were two months before anything was supposed to happen. And it was while they were there visiting us at our house, and I'm working from home, that um, her water broke. And so it was, it was incredible fortune, an incredible blessing. We were able to leave at a moment's notice. I mean, literally just got in the car and left and were able to leave Waverly that could not have come with us without having to figure out what are we going to do with Waverly while we try to go to the hospital. We had her aunt and her cousin there and they were able to stay the rest of the week while I was at the hospital basically the whole time. We had a couple of days um, from when we initially went in to when they were delivered. Um, and, and just the, the incredible fortune that we had, the blessing that we had to have them there 
at that moment. I mean, it was at that moment. If they had been a week earlier, a week later, it wouldn't have had the same impact. And, and it was just the things like that. They just stacked up that I was able to be working from home. And, and it just, it, it was an amazing blessing to have that. That's pretty exciting that uh, the aunt was able to fulfill before you even saw a need. God provides, doesn't he? And he does it in a way that is just exciting to know that God is in control. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what it looks like, God is still in control. <laughs> I think that these little girls are just loving it up here. Okay, Elizabeth, is that Elizabeth right there, right? Okay, yep. she's going to be, okay, Daryl, on the praise team in the future, we have a, a possible. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that moment. I'm sure there's so many. You guys may need to write a book or something. When we hear the words baby dedication, we can't help but think of Hannah dedicating her son Samuel to the Lord in 1 Samuel 1. That seems to be the place that we turn to when we look at baby dedication. But also, too, we see in the scriptures where Mary and Joseph took, to, took Jesus to the temple in Luke 2. The dedication is so crucial for these parents to be able to give their children to the Lord, but also, too, dedicate themselves for the journey that lies ahead as parents. But one thing that I think that we always treasure is when we read the Gospels, especially when Jesus speaks, his relationship with children. And that picture is found in Luke 18, 16. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. You know, I look up here at the little children. And they are just special. But they were special to Christ because I think that we can learn from the little children. Why? Because in the Gospels we see a Jesus who loved children for their innocence. He valued their simple, uncomplicated trust and absence of pride. He taught that entertaining heaven is not about great scholarly knowledge admirable accomplishments or social status mm -mm. it only requires faith in God faith in God and when you see little children I know for myself with my wife in the cradle roll department in kindergarten you see a lot of little critters down there experiencing faith and they express it boldly because that's what they love I just want to say it was a pleasure to meet with you guys last year as we tried to prepare for this. I wanted to come over to at least get to know these little girls. And it was just a joy to watch you. I had Pastor Larissa with me as well. Of course, she walks in and grabs one of the babies first off. <laughs> but then again, too, I sat there and watched what transpired with your family. I watched you with Aspen and Elizabeth and even Waverly. That was a house full of love. That was a house full of joy and happiness. And one word that describes it, I think, busy. <laughs> busy. And I'm sure it's still busy. 
But that's what love is all about. It's giving of yourselves. I know for myself, before the pandemic, I would see you come down the cradle roll when you would bring Waverly. And I had a chance to watch you. And sometimes you're the only dad in there, you know. But in doing so, you were there to support your daughter. You were there to support her and let her know that God is real. You participated in the process of knowing that you don't have to be embarrassed. You can speak boldly about God and His love. And you parents model that for her. And I was very impressed with that. So when I walk away, I look at your family and say, you know what? These girls are blessed to have parents like you. And I know the Lord will continue to work with you. Carl and Sam, do you commit as parents that with God's help that you will raise up your daughters with patience, love, and joy of the Lord in their daily lives? We do. Do you now, as Hannah did, dedicate Elizabeth and Aspen to the Lord, seeking the Lord's help as you provide an environment for growth, laughter, forgiveness, compassion, and the understanding of God's unconditional love for his children? We do. Ah, it's unanimous. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come here this morning to dedicate these two special little girls, Elizabeth and Ashton. Aspen to you. Father, may you put your hands not only on these girls, but on their parents, their grandparents, as well as this church family. It takes a tribe to raise a child. Lord, surround Elizabeth and Aspen with your goodness. Lead them in your light each day. Let them walk the path that you have chosen. Guide their steps. Teach them to trust your wisdom and obey your loving plan. Father, keep Elizabeth and Aspen from all harm. Protect them as they grow to experience a relationship with you. Surround this family. Draw close to them and may this be the beginning of great things yet to come as they experience you in their lives. Thank you, Father, for this moment that we have just shared in the loving name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Okay, young ladies, I got something for you here. This is going to be Elizabeth. Ooh. Aspen. And for mom and dad, you can read the back and determine what that is. So thank you so much for this moment. Church, let's support this family. We will continue to keep you in our prayers, and we, church, need to be here for this family in every way possible because it does take a village. It does take a family like this family to raise our children. Thank you, parents, for being here. It's a wonderful support. For all of you to be here, it's good to see Bob here. Good morning, everyone, and welcome from the worship team. We're going to get continue, I should say, worshiping.
by singing some songs. So if you'd like to stand with us, we will begin singing here.
Good morning, church. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for all that's already happened here this morning, the wonderful baby dedication and the, the music that we've sung. And now we pray, Lord, that as we open up your word, your spirit would re-energize us and help us to put away all that uh, may be distracting us, uh, put away the stuff of the week, Lord, that we may spend this time with you. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. So, um, about 25 years ago, I know it sounds crazy even to say those words right now, because I think I'm 26, but anyway, about 25 years ago, I went on my very first mission trip. I had never been on a mission trip before. My wife, Nancy, she had been in Indonesia for a year and had spent time as a missionary. I had never done that before. And I was working at an academy. I went on my very first mission trip, and it was to Panama. 
And I have to tell you, that trip was probably the most eventful trip that I've ever been on. Maybe I think that because it was my first one, it was such a contrast to the normal life that I lived. But man, I'm telling you, it was crazy. We had earthquakes. I was attacked by a scorpion. We had tidal waves. I was attacked by a scorpion. You know, we had to sleep on floors. I mean, it was terrible. I don't know what was going on. But I got to go. And when we were there, it was pretty, pretty interesting as we moved around because we... Uh, we, we, we were traveling in this bus that um, was a school bus. Remember the old yellow school buses that had no seatbelts? You know what I'm talking about? They're probably still the same, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. so, so this bus would break down from time to time. And one time we were at this work site, and uh, we... We had found out that the bus had broken. In fact, the brakes were not working. Now, that's, that's something that's got to work if you're transporting, you know, 40 teenagers around, right? You want the brakes to work. You want to be able to go back home and say, hey, you know, we left with 40, came back with 39, not bad, right? But at least you want to have something to come back with, right? This was not good. And uh, there was, uh, so I, I remember this story a little differently, but I, I called a couple of friends of mine. Uh, who tried to remind me of some of this. There was uh, one guy that was the cement mixer, apparently. And uh, he apparently knew something about fixing things. Uh, and in fact, my first introduction to this individual, to this, uh, this gentleman, was there was a kid that came who had an iguana, big iguana, and he was kind of showing it off to some of the other students. The girls were all around him, you know, as he's showing off this iguana. And all of a sudden, the iguana began to kind of, uh, kind of slip away, you know. And, and this guy, this cement mixer, he always used to play with, like, little twine stuff and everything. And somehow, he had made a little lasso. I kid you not. I have people that will... Swear right behind me that this actually happened. This guy, as soon as he saw that uh, iguana start to flow away, he took this lasso and went like that and lassoed the iguana and then said something in Spanish to the young boy, you know, apparently like, hey, be careful with this thing, you know. And these are Americanos. That's all I remember hearing, you know. And all of a sudden, uh, I remember thinking, man, this guy is crazy. Now, as we were considering what to do with the truck, somebody said, why don't we, uh, you know, what we need to do is, uh, we need to ask McGiver. McGiver. And it wasn't long before I realized what they were trying to say is MacGyver. That we need a MacGyver. And apparently, the cement guy, he was known in the community as McGiver because he always fixed things with twine and duct tape and stuff like that, Right? So apparently there was a hole in the uh, brake line, which, you know, you don't just fix with duct tape and twine, you know. Uh, but he knew a guy, and somehow they got the stuff, uh, this, this pipe. Even our, uh, um, Ron Gifford was our maintenance guy. He had come on the trip with us. He had, was able to take the pipe out, and McGiver knew a guy, and they took this. And, and, and that place, and this guy who was very specialized was able to fix it, and we were able to ride the bus without any problems with it having any brakes problems. We had other problems, but no brakes. Sometimes it would go very fast. We didn't know if it was the driver 
or if it was the machine, but that's what happened. Now, uh, I love MacGyver. Anybody, anybody grew up watching that? I'm not talking about the old, I'm not talking about the new MacGyver, okay? I'm talking about the old MacGyver, you know, Richard Dean Anderson with the mullet haircut I'm talking about, you know what I'm saying? That MacGyver. And he was known because he had this tactical ingenuity and he was extremely resourceful. He took what was conveniently at hand and used it, often small stuff like chewing gum or paper clip or a rubber band or duct tape. And he was able to, to imp improvise some ways to escape a sticky situation or to make a device to help him complete his mission. He always had this Swiss Army, remember the Swiss Army knife that he always had with him, some duct tape on hand, just in case something would happen. And he would do things, I'll never forget one time, he made boots out of duct tape and a plastic mat. Anybody remember that one? Uh, one time he, he fixed a radiator with egg white. Remember that one? Now, apparently that actually works. Little tip. Try it. But don't say that I said so. Another time he took a muffler, a gear shift knob, a seat cushion stuffing, and a cigarette lighter, and he was able to make a bazooka out of it. And you remember that? Remember that one? And one of my favorite ones was this blood pressure pump and alarm clock that he used as a lie detector. And this guy was amazing, you know? And I, we all loved that show because we always wondered, like, what's he going to do next? What's the next thing that he's going to do that is totally unlikely to be able to be used and yet be able to escape or do something amazing with it? He knew how to use stuff that you never would have imagined you could use. So I tell you all this because I believe the original MacGyver was Jesus Christ. I'll let you think about that one a little bit. You know, he'd be like, no wine? No problem. Bring me some water, and we'll figure this out. You're blind? No problem. Let me take a little saliva, a little mud. Like, really? Yeah. You can't hear too well? A little more mud, a little more saliva? Put your finger, finger in, the, in the ear? And this is the kind of stuff that he did. And the story that I'm going to tell you about today is no food to feed 5,000? No problem. Just give me whatever you got. Some fish and some loaves. You know, there are only two miracles in the Bible that are mentioned in all four Gospels. Only two. The first one that we all know about is the resurrection. Of course, that would make it in all four Gospels. That, that makes sense, right? That's an important miracle. But the only other miracle that made it in all four Gospels is this story of Jesus feeding 5,000 plus people in one day with just two fish and five barley loaves. John chapter 6, beginning with verse 1, I'm going to read 1, 2, and 3 for you, and it should be up behind me so that you can read it too. It says, sometime after this, I'm going to talk about after this in a moment. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw, a great crowd of people followed him, catch this, because they saw 
the signs he had performed by healing the sick. It's like they were following him because they were sitting there thinking, okay, what's in it for me? What can you do for me, Jesus? You know what? Quite honestly, a lot of us as early followers follow Jesus because we want to know what God can do for us. But there will come a time, trust me on this, that if you start with that, that you will follow Jesus, not because of what he can do for you, but because he becomes irresistible to you. It's like a magnet. And you will try sometimes to not be pulled by it, but his love is so powerful. Somebody say amen that has experienced what I'm talking about here. Now, Jesus was trying to get away, to take his disciples. In fact, he got in a boat, and he went across on the boat. And these people walked 10 miles around the lake to meet Jesus on the other side. Herod had just executed John the Baptist. And Jesus needed some very much, very much need time alone to grieve, to spend some time with his disciples. I don't know if you've ever had situations like that last year. I'll never forget. Uh, we, we, we were at the very beginning of this pandemic. None of us really knew what was going on. And uh, we were going to have this leadership conference that we're having this weekend coming up. But we were having it back in March when we, uh, when we had planned it. And, of course, that was the exact week that everything just became very clear to the United States that we, we would have to do something drastic. And, and, and we didn't know what to do. Should we have it? Should we not have it? I mean, the, there was two weeks before that we kept talking about it, thinking about it, praying about it, talking about it, thinking about it, praying about it, going back and forth, back and forth. And then finally we decided to have it. Pastor Dave came up from Tennessee, and he spoke Friday night. He was supposed to speak Saturday, but because of the pandemic, he thought, I better get back to my wife. And so he went back. I mean, it was crazy, you know. But we went through the whole program. We did the whole thing. And then we were scheduled by the way, that Sunday, my wife and I to be with Dave and his wife and go to the beach together to, for a week just to kind of relax after this great intense weekend. But actually, uh, we, they couldn't come, so we ended up going alone because there was really nothing that we could do here. But can I be honest with you? It didn't feel like a vacation. I mean, we tried to make the most of it, but Quite honestly, we were so worried about the church. We had to make a video for you guys. We, had, we were calling the elders and talking to different people, wanting to make sure that, we, that the church was okay. We felt guilty being away, quite honestly, for that week. And we were like, you know, what do we do? What do we say? Should we go back? And it was crazy. Everything was closed. You couldn't go to a restaurant or do anything. But we got to enjoy the beach. That was kind of cool. You know what I'm talking about. Have you ever had moments when you wanted to take some time off, but it was a little crazy, and you thought you were going to take some time off, but it didn't really work out? Every mother of children in this room right now can relate to the time that you can finally relax, take a shower, right? You know, put on your PJs and relax. 
But inevitably somebody's at that shower door knocking and screaming and whining. You know what I'm talking about? And then besides the husbands, afterwards the kids are getting up and they're doing stuff and they're wondering what's going on. And it's just crazy. And moms, you deserve that break, but it's so hard for you to get it, isn't it? This was Jesus. In John chapter 6, 5 and 6 says, now, this is when it starts to get really, really interesting. It says, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, this is John's version of what happened, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? The Bible tells us that there were 5,000 people there. And back in those days, they only counted the men. The women and children were not counted. So when you're saying there were 5,000, you're probably looking closer to 10 to 15,000 people there. Right? And Jesus looks at Philip and says, so where should we buy some food? There are these 15,000 people. And then in verse 6, it says, he asked this only to test them. For, I love this, he already had in mind what he was going to do. Did you catch this? He already had in mind what he was going to do. This is extremely important to the idea of what we're talking about. In every situation in our lives, that you didn't see a way out before God ever let you get in, he already knew what he was going to do to get you out. You worry about your broken relationships and you say, how did we get to this point? Here's what you need to know. God already knows a way to get you out, to get your help. You have find yourself feeling lonely and confused and afraid, and God already knows. You have financial difficulties, and you're wondering, how are you going to pay the bills, and how is this going to work? God already knows what he is going to do. Amen? I love that. Now, imagine this interaction. Uh, as I mentioned before, this, this is written in, in, in all four Gospels. They all give a little bit of a variety of, of, of uh, perspectives of how this all happened. Uh, just kind of like the story of the bus I told you before. Uh, I called my friends and we talked about it. And we all had a different perspective of how it happened. Uh, but just imagine this interaction, right? Uh, the one thing we do know is that Jesus preached that day, the day that he was trying to take a break, he preached for a very long time. In fact, uh, I, I believe in, it's in Matthew, it, the, the, actually it says, when the day began to wear away. This is when he starts to, Figures when the the day in Greek, by the way, that's that's translated when the day began to break away. <laughs> in other words, and if you could think about this, 
Jesus is preaching. They're up there. They think they're going to have a vacation. But no, Jesus starts to preach because he's, he's got this compassion for these people. And it's 11 o'clock, and then it's 12 o'clock, and then it's 1 o'clock, and then it's 2 o'clock, and the day is wearing away, right? The day is wearing away, and it's 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. I kid you not, Jesus is preaching. If you think I'm preaching, I preach long. You wait till Jesus preaches. Now, of course, he's a lot more exciting than I am, but still, still important to understand. And in fact, the, the, it's, it's, the Bible says that the disciples turned to Jesus, and probably it was Peter, you know, or, or Philip, I don't know, but somebody turned to Jesus and said, hey, listen, uh, I think people are getting hungry. And, you know, your message, by the way, has been amazing. I love, love the message. Been really, the, you know, that you would preach this whole series in one day. That's amazing. That's, that's great. Good stuff. I love the message. I love what you did. I love what you're saying. This is, but the people are getting hungry. Not us, but the people. They're getting hungry. So what should we do? In fact, the, one of the disciples says that the disciples said, send them away. We don't have food, send them away. We don't have enough Bibles, send them away. We don't have enough this, send them away. We don't have enough that, send them away. God help you if you're one of those disciples. Jesus had compassion on them, and he says, you feed them. I'm sorry? Yeah. You feed them. In fact, it says, where can we buy food for everybody? And this is when Philip, in John chapter 6, verse 7, answers, it says, it would take more, don't miss this, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Ah, wrong answer. Hmm. Renee Brown, uh, an author that I quote often, uh, I just love her stuff. She writes this. She says that the mantra of our day is never enough. She says we live in an age of never enough. Often we wake up in the morning and our first thought is, I didn't get enough what? sleep. We go to bed at night and I didn't get enough done. We earn a lot of money, but we don't have enough opportunity to enjoy it. We have opportunity to enjoy it, but we don't have enough money to get out of the house. It's never enough. Never. Have you noticed this? And here is Jesus dealing with a never enough moment. We don't have enough food. But here's what I know, that the more God wants us to be part of the equation the more we say, not enough. We, would you like to volunteer your talents for the church? Not enough time. Would you like to help with, with children's ministries? Not enough energy. Can you help with donating to repair the roof? Not enough money. 
Can you give a Bible study? Not enough skill. We live in the world of not enough. But here's what I know. I know that God can do anything with anybody who is willing to give whatever little they have. Are you following what I'm saying? Those of you who know this story well, you should know exactly where I'm going with this. We often think that since we can't do everything, we end up doing nothing instead of the one thing that would activate something. <laughs> this story reminds us that when God is for us, no one can be against us. That in partnership with God, we need not calculate the problem from our limitations, but rather from God's abundance. I'm going to repeat that because I want to make sure you heard that. That in partnership with God, we need not calculate the problem from our limitations, but rather calculate it from God's abundance. Anybody hearing this? I mean, I don't know. Did you get enough sleep last night? Is there enough oxygen in here? Not enough. Yes. John chapter 6. I'm going to make sure I give you enough sermon today. Is that fair? <laughs> John chapter 6, 8 and 9 says, Another day of his disciples, another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, and he says this. Now catch this. He says, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Now, this is really important because I want you to understand the language. First of all, barley loaves indicates that this was a very poor child. Barley was a, it was, it was a grain that very, very poor people were able to, uh, were, were the only ones that, that, that were able to get this grain. That's the only grain they can get. In fact, loaves is probably not a good word. They were more like crackers, like barley crackers. You know, it's like fish and chips here, just so you understand what we're talking about. And that's what he had. It was just, and, and in fact, the, the language is actually little boy. Little boy. My sense is that he didn't, he, he, Andrew was kind of like tongue-in-cheek, kind of saying perhaps maybe, you know, to generate some kind of, laughter so that people could realize the absurdity of the situation. So many people and so little food. Andrew says, this is just a little boy with a little food. I mean, how much can we do with that? He asks a question that we often ask ourselves, and I hear this question a lot when we're trying to make important decisions for God's kingdom. This is what we have. How far will it go with so many? God, this is what we have. We have planning for next year. What can we do? For so many, I am amazed how, t how many times we limit God. 
Because that's the question, isn't it? Is it enough? Will it even matter? Will I have enough once I give? So who was this little boy? This little boy that has this forever encounter in a few moments with Jesus. We don't know anything about him. Have you noticed that we don't even know his name? And yet he made it in all four Gospels. Isn't that amazing? We don't even know his name, and he makes it in all four Gospels. His story is read to children for thousands of years, and nobody knows his name. The boy that wasn't even counted, right? Because he was just a child. It's 5,000 men, but they don't count women and children. This boy <coughs> Do you think that he was the only boy, the only person amongst, let's say, 10,000, with food that day? Or was, is it possible that he was close enough and generous enough and opportunistic enough to go to Jesus when he hears what's going on or go to Andrew and say, hey, I got some food. Jesus says, what do we have? I got food. This is what we have. And Andrew has the courage to go to Jesus and say, well, okay, this is what we have. I mean, would you? Would you have the courage to do that? The little boy who wasn't counted provides the means for Jesus to do his thing. I'm sure you felt it at times in your life. Some of you maybe have heard this, uh, you never will amount to anything, or you're stupid, or you're, you're the wrong gender, the wrong color, or the wrong age. You can't do that. It's impossible. That's ridiculous. That's too radical. You're just a dreamer. You're not good enough. And the list goes on and on and on. You're just a little boy with not enough food. You know, I read somewhere that Beethoven handled the violin awkwardly and preferred playing his own composition instead of improving his technique. And his teacher, Beethoven's teacher, called him hopeless as a composer. <laughs> Walt Disney was fired by a newspaper editor for lack of ideas. Thomas Edison's teacher said he was too stupid to learn anything. Albert Einstein did not speak Listen to this. Albert Einstein did not speak until he was four years old and didn't read until he was seven. Yeah, the genius. Albert Einstein. His teacher described them as mentally slow, unsociable, and adrift forever in his foolish dreams. And he was expelled and refused admittance to Zurich Polytechnic School. Albert Einstein. See, here's what I've learned, that when Satan catalogs my failures 
and reminds me that I am hopeless. I love to say out loud. I, I, I love to scream it. It's all true. And I'm worse than that. But with God, anything is possible. With God, we can, it, it is unbelievable what God can do with somebody even like me. God will use everyone else. God will use everyone that everyone else will discount to do something through that will really count. The very provision that day was in the inconvenience. Send them away. It was what they wanted to go away that was actually carrying what they needed that they signed up for in the first place. It's the word that God brings to you that you must angrily resist at first but often releases the resources that you need the most. Isn't that true? It is what we want to send away that can make the biggest difference in our lives. And what, when they saw an inconvenience, the boy saw an opportunity. And the boy saw an invitation. In John chapter 6, 10 and 11, it says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Wait, but did you hear? We only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Yes, have the people sit down. You know how hard that is? Have you ever worked with people? To try to get them to sit down, 10,000 of them, by 50s, right? Have you ever, this is not easy. If you worked with people, raise your hand, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is not an easy thing to do. And yet Jesus tells them to go ahead and have people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in the place, just not enough food. And they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. And verse 11 is that moment when this boy experiences a forever encounter with Jesus. Jesus took the loaves. Jesus took the loaves. Don't, don't miss this. This is so important. He took the loaves. How many loaves? Five. He took that which was, was not enough. Gave thanks. When's the last time you gave thanks for what was not enough? gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish, giving thanks for only two fish and five barley loaves, blessing that which was not enough. When's the last time that you praised God for what was not enough in your life? Another version says he blessed and then he broke. And it was not until he broke the bread that he began to multiply. The blessing and the multiplication was in the breaking. 
Did you catch that? When he had it before it was breaking, it was still two fish, five barley loaves. He blesses it, and then he begins to break it. I love what T.D. Jake says. That which refuses to be broken refuses to be blessed. Sometimes God needs to break us so that we can experience his blessing. And quite honestly, what he's doing is he's fixing us because we are already so broken. And, and I'll tell you, this should be our prayer. We're going to be singing about this in a few seconds here. Maybe even the worship team can come up. But so take our failures and take our weaknesses. Set your treasures in jars of clay. Take this heart, Lord. I'll be your vessel, the world to see your life in me. That's what I believe this little boy said. Take my brokenness. Take what I don't have enough of and make something amazing out of it. In John chapter 6, 12 to 13, the story ends this way. When they all had had enough to eat. Did you catch that? When they all had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. No one in the crowd would have thought that this boy mattered. This was one little boy in one huge crowd with a little bit of seafood and a little bit of barley. But it had been, he had been chosen by God to be a significant piece in the Messiah's plan. He didn't know it, but Jesus knew ahead of time. Bobby was looking with, for him with his eyes. No one knows his name, but Jesus knows his name. We will never know which little person God will use, but God wants to use you. That I know for sure. No matter how little you think you are, no matter how insignificant you think you are, trust me on this. There's a reason why we do baby dedications. is because we're telling God, no matter what age those children are going to be, you can use them anytime. We dedicate them to you, oh Lord. We're never just lost in the crowd. We're never without anything to offer. All of us have something to give. I've been in places where people worship in tents, not buildings like this. And there was a little wooden church in the middle so that they could give whatever little they had to help build the church one day. They had saved 10 years for a tiny piece of land, and now they were going to save the next 10 years for the church. We're never without anything to offer. We just never know what God will ask of us. We never know when he will ask of it. We never know how the Lord will use our little bits and pieces. But when we do what we can do and trust God to do what only he can do, the results will be astounding. 
and there will be a forever encounter that you will never forget. I love a famous old preacher by the name of HMS Richards. When he preaches this sermon, when he preaches about this story, he used to end it by saying, and that little boy went home, and mom said, how was your day? (laughs) And the little boy said, oh, you wouldn't believe this, mom, but Jesus and I fed the multitude. How cool is that? So sing, stand up. Let's tell God how much we love him.
Let's pray together. Father, thank you for guiding us today. Thank you so much for these beautiful children that were dedicated in the Worcester family, Lord. We pray, Father, that you would uh, help us to realize that no one is too small or has too little for you to do something amazing with. Keep that in our minds and our hearts as we go through the next few days and weeks. And may we always glorify you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Happy Sabbath. God bless. We'll see you next week. God bless online folks. Glad you're here with us too.